Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. Paradigm Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. The good kid is back in the building. Good kid, how you doing today? As are you. You're I back am. in the building also. I'm You're always gone. trying. To you be. were gone last Friday. I enjoyed a little time in Vegas. And I was gone last Friday, so we were both gone last Friday. Yes, we were, but uh, always keeping it fresh, keeping it light. You got to take a little bit of a break so you can come back with the energy. That's right. That's and what so, it's all about. And, and America runs on what now? <laughs> on today's episode, man, so much to get to. The Vikings seem to be trying to do an aggressive sell. Where were that place? The Chicago Bears in the standings versus this Vikings team. We'll talk about that. Justin Fields struggled a little bit yesterday. What does that really mean? How does the athlete overcome? We've got a phenomenal athlete in the building with us. Might as well get into that as well. Attitude adjustments from Chase Claypool seem to be moving him in the right direction. Good to hear those things. And Yurko's favorite conversation of all, running back. All that and more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Make sure to tune in and hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. We do post Monday through Friday. If you're listening on the ESPN Chicago app, let's get into the show. First quarter. First quarter. Good kid. It would seem that the Minnesota Vikings are doing an NFL version of trying to win while trying to sell pieces off all at once. They got rid of Dalvin Cook. Seems like they're looking to move on from Daniel Hunter. In your estimation of what this Vikings team was last year and what they're going to be this season, do you believe that the Vikings take a step forward or a step back, and well, how does that help the Chicago The natural Bears? progression is they take the step back. Their record in one-score games was phenomenal. It was beyond the average of what's happened over the course of the the, the NFL history. So naturally, they were set up for a, a step back no matter what. I think they've spent money and they've allocated resources in places they probably shouldn't have allocated resources. And what you're getting now is a recollection and a reallocation. It's going to happen over time. And ultimately, Kirk Cousins is the guy that ends up being – the guy that they get rid of once they kind of can identify a quarterback, a right. young guy that can step in, then Kirk Cousins becomes the cap casualty. You can't get rid of the quarterback right now because he's still viable, but you can reallocate. You paid your running back, which is a mistake. Any any team that ever pays a running back makes a mistake. With Dallas, what did they do? They paid Ezekiel Elliott. They made a mistake. They franchised Tony Pollard after he had an injury. They're making a mistake. You're making a mistake by paying your running back. That's just the way it is. There's too many of them. Yeah. There's too many running backs. They're all alike, and they're all identical. So why would you ever allocate resources to the running back position when you can keep it at a minimum? Running backs, kickers, punters, long snappers, you know exactly what you need to pay them. Yeah. Okay? You don't have to go crazy paying those guys. Who do you have to pay? you got to pay a corner. You got to pay a pass rushing defensive end. You've got to pay a stud left tackle. You've got to pay a quarterback. And now, instead of paying the running back, you got to pay a receiver. Yep. But in the in in the the system of paying the receiver, now you got to pay two receivers. So it's kind of a reallocation of where you're going to be able to put your money over the course of time. 
So you pay 10 guys and the rest of everybody else is going to be making close to the minimum or a million dollars, $2 million. That's it. Yeah. That's how this game works now. You know, the, the 10 guys are going to end up taking about 70%, 60% of your, your, your salary cap. And that's it. That's who's taking it. And then you've got to find a way to get everybody else under the system. And that's why you see a lot of turnover with the young bodies. You know, your first year you make 562, your second year you make 680, your third year. By the time you're getting your fourth year, if you're not a starter or a player, they get rid of you and they come back down to 532 because they can avoid, you know, uh, seven times five is 3.5 million. Do you have five 700,000 players? Do you have seven 500,000 players? So you can see how you end up making the rest of your roster. You're going to have the $500,000 players because right. you can have more of them. So that's what happens to running back position. Uh, name me a truly special running back in the league. I mean, right listen, now, I'd, name me a truly special running back in the league right now. Saquon Barkley, maybe that's that's the best Injured. I can give you. Injured, and, and I'm Injured. with you on that. Yeah, but I'll, I'll ask you this: even with right, I, I agree with you. I don't believe that you yeah. should throw money at the running back position. I was fine, right? I, sure, David Montgomery ran hard for here. He ran like a bear. He'll run like a, a lion now. That's, I, I'm okay with that. With what we replaced him with, yeah, and they appreciate him. It, not, not really. <laughs> you see the way they treated the two running backs that were there the year before? Give it a year. That's they, what, you, give you it a year. They treat you well? <laughs> give Come it on, a year. man. But I, I think there is something to be said about Dalvin Cook playing a full season last season. He was a very good check down weapon for uh, Kirk Cousins to go to. And I think that there may be even more of a step back on the Vikings side, not having him there for Kirk Cousins as that guy to take a little bit of pressure off of him for Kirk to actually be able to be the passer we've seen. When you take away Kirk's run game, I swear he's nowhere near the 4,000-yard passer that he's looked like at times at home in these one-score games. Do you see the Vikings taking even more of a step back and possibly the Bears being able to overtake them in the division this season with them trying to basically sell off pieces that are key pieces? Alexander Madison. Okay, that's what I have, Alexander Madison. I like it. I like it. All right, that's what you have. Then you're going to have another young running back coming in there, and he's, they're going to run behind uh, that Minnesota offensive line. They're going to do the best they can. They're going to try to make big plays. You know, they're trying to get rid of resources. They've got to get capital, liquid capital, to pay Justin Jefferson. Yes. I already told you they're coming back. Yeah. Ten wins wins this division this year. Agreed. Okay, so, I mean, it's not 13-4. and four. No. Hey, not 12-5. and five. Ten wins. You can get to ten wins, you're going to win the division. There might be 10, 9, 8, 7. That might be this division this year. Okay, it's going to be close the whole way. 10, 9, 8, 7. Depends what you do in your own division, who you can beat and who you can't beat. So, I mean, where do I have them coming back to? 13 to 9, 13 to 8. That, that's, yeah, four games. But that was happening no matter what they were going to do. Mm, you don't think I think they were going to equalize. I think they were going to equalize. That That's what was going to happen to them this year. So maybe they realized that they were a little bit of a lucky team last year and they, they got smacked in the playoffs. Um, they knew it. So, okay, now what do we have to do? What do we have to change? What do we have to morph into to become a more competitive team as we move on? And then, okay, where are we spending money? Where are we spending money foolishly? And then they kind of righted that situation. And then you've got to sacrifice sometimes. And the hunter might be the guy they've got to sacrifice. And that's the way it, that works. You got to sometimes you got to sacrifice. Can a rebuild like that work in the NFL where you're trying to still win games to keep it? To me, it just seems like they're trying to keep Justin Jefferson happy. 
They're just we're, we got to keep winning so that he wants to resign here. New England, won, not the, New England won the division for how many years? Oh, good Lord. Yeah, they won it for how many years? They didn't always <laughs> yeah. win it with 15 wins or yeah. 14 wins or 13 wins. They won it different ways every single year. Did yeah. they win the Super Bowl every year they had Tom Brady? No, no, they didn't win the Super Bowl every year they had Tom Brady. So sometimes that's what you're doing. They got rid of a lot of players over the course of a lifetime. I remember when they got rid of uh, Willie McGinnis. Roman Pfeiffer became a New England Patriot at the end of it. Um, they finally said goodbye to Teddy Johnson, and they just kind of replenished guys. They brought him in. Ty Law, they had to say goodbye to. Lawyer Malloy, you know, they, they said goodbye to a lot of people. Lawyer Malloy went to Buffalo, played in Buffalo for a couple of seasons. That's the way it works. You know, you say hello, you say goodbye. And you use a guy, you, you utilize a player uh, when you can utilize them, and then when it's time to say goodbye, say goodbye. Yeah. A year early is always better than a year late. That's it. I agree. So everybody is rebuilding. Only one team wins the Super Bowl. You win the Super Bowl, you celebrate, and then you try to recover and move on. Kansas City does it better than anybody. Yeah. So good for Kansas City, and they're competitive, and they're in the Super Bowl, and they're in the championship games, and they're getting it done. But when they don't win the Super Bowl, what do they do? They've got to retool also. They got Orlando Brown. They got rid of Orlando Brown. I mean, that's the way it works. Here's the position that doesn't get paid, that should get paid. If you're a premier tight end, why don't you get paid? Why is the top Travis paid, Kelsey making why some good money? Why is the top? But why is the top paid tight end? And I'd say Waller at some point. Yeah. In, uh, excuse me, the kid out in uh, the kid out in San Francisco, Kittle, George Kittle. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say they were top end guys, but they're fighting to make ten million dollars. Yeah. Wide receivers make a twenty plus. So, I think the tight end position is another one of those positions that doesn't get respect. <laughs> but if you truly have a great one, there's no way in the world he's going to make money because you franchise him, and the average of the top 10 um, tight ends isn't that great. Isn't Hey, we don't have to pay that much because here, but I'm better than some of the wide receivers that are out there. Yeah, They don't care because the market dictates what they can be paid. Second quarter. When you when you look at and we'll get into the second quarter here because I think this is a really good conversation the the value of players in the NFL right now and and right you know you got your premier positions your wide receivers tackles quarterbacks linebackers corners corners absolutely um, but they've got to be good corners well that helps they've got to be great corners you can't be the thirty seventh ranked corner and think that you're going to be doing something special yeah, that helps all right so uh, will there ever be a running back that changes the stigma based on what we're seeing coming to the NFL again. And I'm talking about the ones that are the Barry Sanders, the Walter Paytons. Will we see that again with how quickly running backs are recycled in the modern NFL? Or is that era of running back gone forever? Because I think Saquon Barkley's amazing. Derrick Henry's amazing. But like you said, you still can look at it and say that's an overpay. Well, I mean, Derrick Henry is so amazing that that team can't do anything once they get to the playoffs. And it's not Derrick Henry's fault. It's just that you can stack the line of scrimmage and stop them and force a quarterback to beat you. Yeah. And they decided Ryan Tannehill was the best quarterback they had seen in a while. So let's latch onto the guy and let's pay him and let's commit to him. And once they did that, then it didn't make a difference what Derrick Henry was going to do. They had that lead on Kansas City. All they had to do was run the game, run the ball out. They couldn't run the ball out. Kansas City kept getting the ball back. Yeah. Then they put 56 on them. Then they put 56 on them. 
So I think what happened in the 70s, the run-to-pass ratio was 65 to 35. Then yes. it you know, dipped to 62 and a half to 37 and a half. And dipped. Now almost every team in the league passes more than they run the ball. With the rare exception, there might have been two teams last year that ran the ball more than they uh, passed. <laughs> well, we're one for and sure. One <laughs> we're one for right. sure. Yes. One was the Chicago Bears. So, I mean, that's the rarity. It doesn't happen anymore. That's why the emphasis on running backs has dissipated. That's why it's gone by the wayside. Who's the running back that had 14 touchdowns last year, and they, they got rid of him? Detroit, 14 touchdowns. Oh, uh, Jamal Williams. Yeah. yeah. For the, they don't care. Why? Because somebody they're going to put in there at the three-yard line is going to be able to get the ball into the end zone anyway. So what do they care who it is? That's the point. Can they be special if they're not getting the ball 360 times a year and they're not catching 45 passes? The answer probably is no. So we we probably <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll probably get to we're we're probably at the point where we won't see those running backs because of the utilization. Rates. Yeah, we won't see those Barry Sanders anymore. and of the usage rates. You know, you 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 now know because uh, who is the guy from Ohio State that played for Tennessee? Eddie George. Eddie George. Yep. Eddie George. I mean, people sit there. Oh, Eddie George, what a player! Eddie George, you should consider him for the Hall of Fame. Eddie George averaged three like three point five yards a rush, three point four yards a rush. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie George was terrible, terrible. He he wasn't a great running back. He was serviceable. He was usable. His rookie year is the only time he showed any pop and any any flash. And then after that, the rest of his career was built on the built on the reputation he had his first year. You couldn't. I mean, three yards in a cloud of dust truly is what Eddie George was. He wasn't dynamic by any stretch of the word, okay? And they used him, and they used him, and that's the lesson people have learned, the lesson of Eddie George. The more you use a guy, the more you pound him, the less likely he's going to be an effective football player over the long haul. And that truly happened to Eddie George. So it's not his fault. Yeah. He did the best he could. You know, he busted. You know, he had decent linemen in front of him. Kevin Donnelly was there. Bruce Matthews was there. Uh, the tackle Hopkins from Illinois was out there. Brad Hopkins. They had a good offensive line left to right. You know, they just, you know, that's the way they did. They used the running back, used the running back, used the running back. McNair was young. Maybe they didn't want McNair to make mistakes. I don't know. But either way, but but there it is. So rather than using one guy beating the living hell out of him and then seeing him being a shadow of him former self in the last three years that you utilize them, right. why not get two guys in, have them split everything, utilize them, and then after four years when they think they need to get paid, you get rid of them. And let somebody else pay them. Why would you pay them? Ezekiel Elliott, for everything that he's done for Dallas, what has he actually done for Dallas? Tony Pollard, what has he done? Hey, he averages a, a, a good per thing, but the point is, there's everybody's like everybody's like everybody. You put the running back back there, they're all wide receivers are different. Yeah. Who can get away from somebody? Who could create space from somebody? Who's got that extra wiggle? Who's got that toughness? Who's got that ball hawking ability? Wide receivers are different now. Running backs are not different. Yeah. So that's why running backs are what running backs are. They don't have to like it, the running backs. They can cry about it. Christian McCaffrey can go on and say, oh, I just want to change the attitude of a running back. No. The position is what the position is. Are there different types of running backs? Certainly. Might one deserve a little more money than the other? Certainly. Okay? And McCaffrey got paid. McCaffrey got hurt. Yeah. McCaffrey got paid. He got hurt. 
and all of a sudden, that's the lesson and all of a sudden, that's the lesson of the running back. And all of a sudden, everybody's overused, saying he's back right. because of the showing in San Francisco. Right, right. And it's like, no, he had a good, and a we'll good see. run. Yeah, we'll see. I hope so. We'll see. Odds are, if you look at the law of uh, of running backs, which has uh, been put out there, um, he's on the 18th hole. He's on, yeah, you know, he's on the, the 18th number, tee. The numbers he's of getting a, ready to finish his round. The numbers of a running back past 28 mm-hmm. and and being nearly as effective as they were in their younger years, the drop off is is yeah. drastic. I mean, you're talking about a two to three yard difference in some cases yeah. based on the averages. So let me ask you this then. Should the stigma of a three-down back be gone now? Because we hear about this every wow. single draft. He's a three-down back. He's no, a three-down back. I, I like the three-down back. The thing is, I need three three-down backs. Three-down back is absolutely perfect. I've got no problem. If you got guys that can play three downs, you're not dictating what you're going to do. Right. Okay? Oh, here he comes. They're going to pass the ball because their passing running back is in the game. So, no, I want three three-down backs. I want guys to catch the ball, and I want guys that can run the ball. That's my running back profile. Guy that can run the ball, got a little bit of shake, a little bit of jiggle, okay, has great vision, can see what's happening, and can catch the ball, period. That's it. Blocking, I'll try to teach him to block, but it's not a prerequisite. It, it shouldn't be. Only in Chicago is it a prerequisite for our running back. Everybody gets compared to Walter. <laughs> Walter loved to block. Oh, Walter was different. Walter loved to get his nose dirty, loved yeah. to get in there, and he loved to deck people. And blocking is balance, you know, and willingness to engage. Walter had balance and a willingness to engage. What are you looking at? Look, what are you looking for from the Chicago Bears running back room this year? They did lead the NFL in rushing last year. A lot of it to Justin Fields. When you look at the backs we have here. Realistically, we're talking about Herbert, Deontay Foreman, and Roshan Johnson, possibly. What are you looking to see from those three? Are you looking to see the prolific run blocker that David Montgomery was for us? Or are you looking to see the guy that can just turn himself into the lead back in this in this running back? No, I'm looking for uh, the running back situation, the running back room, to have two guys that are primary ball carriers mm-hmm. um, and the primary receivers out of the backfield. So each one getting about a hundred and uh, trying to you know get the numbers here, probably about a hundred and forty carries to hundred and and seventy carries in in that range, one forty to one seventy, on uh, guys that can catch between twenty five and thirty balls. That's it. That's what I'm looking for, right there. You're just breaking it down. Everybody gets an even production. Everybody's getting even production, and each guy can play three downs, and I don't have to substitute during a series. It's your series. Go. So you don't – Whatever the series is, go. So you're following the – when Ryan Pohl says that Roshan Johnson will be a pillar of this Bears team, (laughs) you're not following him down that path. No, my concern (laughs) is not so much about Roshan Johnson or whoever other running back we have, or Herbert or whatever his name is, Bear. It doesn't matter to me. Okay, what matters to me now, more importantly, is my receivers. That's what I care about. DJ Moore, Claypool, Mooney, and who, when you're coming out in the four-wide receiver set, what's happening? When you're in a three-wide receiver set, who do I have and where are they playing? That's my concern. My concern is the wide receivers. And then the greatest concern of all is the quarterback being able to get the ball to the guys that you have now. And then, then we'll see how that works. That's the greatest concern, number one concern. Second concern is who are the wide receivers, how are they lining up, and how effective are they going to be able to be? Because they've shored up the offensive line. I don't think question marks about the offensive line are uh, valid anymore. 
Now, this is the NFL. Guys love to get to the quarterback. Some teams get to the quarterback better than others. You can design to stay away from the pressure, um, you know, with the way you protect and that kind of thing. So that's my area. Who our running back is, I don't care. Yeah. Doesn't make a difference to me. It's all about the bodies. Put him back there. Whoever you got, put him back there. Uh, He's playing on an NFL roster. He should be able to play above the minimum expectations in this league. Put him in there. The guy rushes for 125 yards in a game. God bless him. We heard Luke Getze talk about this old line. You brought them up, and he said that uh, he he saw promise in them based on the the fact that we're seeing right. They're not scheming for anything in OTAs, and yet the protection looks good. The protection looks better than what we saw last season. Does that actually mean anything at this point? That they're not scheming, but the protection looks good. Not until they put the pads on. Everything looks good now when you're wearing shorts and t-shirts. Um, uh, nothing matters to me until the pads go on. And then I see a little bit of uh, the exhibition games and why I, I listen, you should have at least uh, you only got three now. So you should be working into the second quarter in the first one. You should be working into the third quarter in the second one with your starters and your third one, you rest all your important people. And then you hit the ground running once the season starts. That's your rotation. Right. Hopefully that's the way they work it. You don't have four anymore. So you really got to work in the first two and then save your people for the in the third one for the regular season. So that's how it works. It's, and that's the way it should be. It's it's going to be a grind this year, man. I mean, like, do you th- how much? Do well, you think- listen, every NFL season's a grind. Yeah. Every NFL season's a dogfight. Um, you know, we finished nine and seven a couple of years in a row, nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven. Then we went 11 and five in Green Bay. Right. And that was all while uh, all while Brett was trying to learn how to play the game. Yeah. So those were the records. And then after that 11-5 and five season, the next year they go to the Super Bowl and they finish even better than 11-5. Then the next year they end up losing to Denver in the Super Bowl and they're you know they're just as good. And then they went on their little bit of a run. Holmgren left. Ray came in. They finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Ray Rhodes, they finished 8-8. Eight and eight, So they had their little blip. You know, when 8-8's eight eight's a blip for, for you, you know, fine. And then that, I think that's when uh, Mike Sherman came in. And Mike Sherman became the head coach of the Packers. And then Sherman took him to a different level with Amon Green yeah, and those guys. So, you know, he ends up taking him to a different level, but it was still far. It was Amon Green, Donald Driver, probably. Can't go wrong there. I think that was the ass end of Brooks and Antonio Freeman's career. You know, they started to shut it down uh, you know, after that for a while. And, uh, you know, they still had the weapons. Chewy was still there. Then they brought somebody else. Jermichael Finley might have been in there at the time. So there's always guys always being replaced, always rebuilding. When you don't win the when you don't win the championship, the Super Bowl, guess what you're doing? You're retooling and you're fine tuning. Retool and fine tune. That's what you've got to do. So I, I like that conversation there, right? Like we're I, I, we were going to talk about just feel struggling yesterday, but you already said OTAs. It is what it is. Pads. Well, yeah, no I mean, pads. you can talk about the struggles. Right. It's all about identifying and having the confidence to throw the ball where it has to go. I mean, that's it. But I like how you brought up right, Brett trying to figure things out yep. nine and seven, nine and seven. And then, you know, it kind of clicks for him. Five, he's yeah. able to take it off. Yeah. What's your timeline here for Justin Fields right now? Because he's coming up to the point where right this season going into next season, you're talking about paying Justin Fields. I, I hear nine and seven. Nah, I hear some real stupid things about extensions for him. No, yeah. it's not the decision that needs to be made. The decision to extend him doesn't need to be made until year four. Right. You know, after year four, going into year five, the decision that needs to be made now is do you pick up a fifth year option on him? 
Mm-hmm. That's the only decision that needs to be made. And that's the decision he's going to prove to you over the course of eight or nine games. You'll have a good feeling on what you're going to do. And that doesn't have to happen until I forget when the fifth year option has to be picked up, but it's probably after the season, after the Super Bowl, yeah. before the league year ends. Yep. We say, hey, we're picking up the fifth year option. So th- that's what it is. I hear people saying, well, you got to decide on if you're going to give me an extension. No, you don't. It's not the decision you have to make now. The only decision you got to make is a fifth year option, period. And, and the fools that want to talk about extensions right now, having seen the way he played last year and the limited amount of success that he had the, in the air as a quarterback, it, that's what needs to be proven this year. That's it. So um, I don't worry about anything. I hear the pundits talk that don't know a damn thing about football <laughs> when they talk about extensions. It's the fifth year. Well, okay? I think the fifth year option. That's I, all you're worried about right now. And will he prove he deserves a fifth year option? And then you watch the rest of the year. Yeah. Right. And then you have next year. Yeah. A part of that to decide what you're going to do. And then you can decide, hey, he's our guy. We're willing to commit $40 million or 40 whatever million dollars. Well, I think they're basing it off the fact that we've seen a lot of those guys who are the guy, though, right, get their money before that fifth year option comes into play. But I think at that point you're not worried about it, right? Well, your, like your, your guy Justin Fields is that close, exactly. And and that's and that's what I say. That, that I mean, that's just you've trick. got a lot more there. to prove. I mean, Jalen Hurts took his team, and you saw the throws Jalen Hurts was making. Yes. Okay, it was Jalen Hurts doing it. Yeah. I hate that quarterback sneak play. I think it's fraudulent play. I think he's hijacking his running backs' touchdowns uh, in that situation. Um, but the way he threw the ball. Uh, was the impressive thing? Yeah, the the way him and his receivers uh, connect, and uh, you know him being able to find the right ball, placement of the ball in between defenders, two of them. That's what was impressive. That's what gets you the money. That's what gets you paid. Yeah. Okay. Not quarterback can sneak it into the end zone. That doesn't do a damn thing for you. It's what he did passing the ball. Oh God, Daniel day. Jones forty mil. <laughs> Well, well, <laughs> 20 on, mil, though. realistically. No, no, hold on, though. No. Listen, he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Not every starting quarterback deserves Patrick Mahomes' money. Right. We can agree to that. I agree. If you do, if you rank him from one to whatever and wherever you want to put Daniel Jones, if you look at what he actually ends up getting paid, not what the agent says, I think you'll find that he falls right where he needs to fall. Yeah. Okay, so I don't buy the, the, the BS from the agent's. I you look at the deal and they'll see what he ends up getting paid at the end of the year. And I think you'll find out that Daniel Jones fell probably right where he belongs as far as compensation. Here's another guy, Jimmy Garoppolo. I love Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, you got making, yeah, he's not making fifty million dollars. Not making forty million. He's not making thirty million. Jimmy G's got a tremendous record in this league as a starter. Yes. Okay. Not everybody loves him. Not everybody's sold on him. I know what he can do. He can read defenses. And he can get the ball down the middle of the field where a lot of people are afraid to go. Yeah. He doesn't have a problem throwing the ball. He doesn't have a problem being patient. Sometimes he's too patient. But the league, over the course of time, has decided, okay, Jimmy G, where is he? He's not an elite quarterback, but he's a pretty damn good quarterback. So we're going to find an X value, a value here. Whatever he's going to get paid out with the L.A. Uh, Raiders, uh, L.A. is Vegas. Vegas. The Vegas Raiders is what he probably deserves. So there's a range of what quarterbacks get paid, depending upon how good one judges them or not to be. The 32nd rate, ranked 
uh, a 37th ranked defensive uh, corner in the United States of America is Jalen Johnson. The year before he was in the 60s. Well, guess what? What's the range right now in 2023 between the top corner and the 10th corner? Top corner and 10th corner. Yeah. We talk about 10, 10 mil. Yeah. Well, 10 mil. Top guys making 24 million. Yeah. The 10th guy's making about 14 million. Right. Yeah. Right. So those are the top 10 guys. Where do I put the 32nd or 37th guy? What's he making? That's a good, that's a right. great question. So I mean, that's, that's a great point. question. If you got that much disparity in the top 10 corners in the league, yeah. What am I top, not, not even top 10 best corners, the top 10 paid corners is $10 million. Where am I putting the 37th ranked guy? That's a great question. Well, I mean, that, but that's the point. That's how you got to so break it down. there's a median salary at the position. Yeah. And if you got an average player at that position, but you like the way he plays, you pay him above the median, and either he says, I'm worth more, or I'm happy to accept that contract. We'll negotiate it. It will be a four-year deal, and we'll move on. Or you won't, where he thinks in free agency he'll be able to capitalize and make more on the market. Then you got to decide, well, do we want him to get the free agency? Are we afraid we're going to lose him? Or have we alienated him to the point where he wants to go? Right. So that, that, those are all the things that come into play. So instead of paying him the median because he's an average corner, you might pay him a little bit more, pay him a premium on being an average corner because you want to keep him and he's been in your system and he's been in your defense for a couple, two years. Kyle Fuller. So those are all the decisions. Well, Kyle Fuller was awful. <laughs> he had one great year and then he, he never, he and he never played like that again. He, had, he didn't. Right, but he also benefited um, from that defense. And he line. knew, and he knew. He goes, listen, I can take chances. I can take chances because how the defensive line was. And he played more aggressive than he ever did. He had more pass breakups than he ever did. He had more interceptions than he ever did. Right. And then what happened? He got paid the next year. G-g-g, back to cruise control. You know, rather than going balls to the wall, 100 miles an hour on the edge of disaster, on the precipice of disaster, the way he was playing, when he achieved the level and skill that he had, what did he do? He'll throttle it back down to 55. I can't drive 55. No. He was going 54. Cruz had 54. <laughs> he wasn't getting a speeding ticket anywhere. And then you saw it with his level of play on the field. Right. Right. Let me let me ask you this. Let's head let's head to the third quarter. I think we I think we we having some good football talk here. I'm not gonna lie. This is off-season content, baby. Your co's ready for it. I love it. American runs on duck. Uh, if y'all ever want to sponsor yeah. the pod, you know what I mean? The Friday episode, there will be a Dunkin' Donuts cup in the building. Yes. Let me ask you this year. Third quarter. From the defensive perspective, we just talked about Kyle Fuller. We just talked about, right, like he, he it seemed like he throttled it back down. A lot of people would argue the defensive line stopped getting the same amount of pressure. When you look at a guy like Jalen Johnson right now, who's up for payment, yeah. 37th ranked DB, That's you said? That's what they had him last year in PFF. PFF, PFF right? Pro football focus. He's done that with a mediocre defensive line basically for two years. Right. Where are you ranking him? That's an area. Where are you trying to pay him if, with that scenario? If, if I was his agent, mm-hmm. that would be my first legitimate article uh, argument. argument. Hey, listen, you blew this team up. Yeah. My guy was thrown to the fire. Rookie year and, and year two. Uh, yeah, listen, uh, you, you guys threw me to fight this year four for Jalen Johnson. Yes. Yeah. So it wasn't year one that he didn't have a, a defensive line. He had pass rushes for him. Last year was the year he had nothing. I would argue his third year, you guys wasted because you guys didn't want to win. You guys threw the season. 
Uh, my guys out there trying to keep a positive attitude. We couldn't really keep a positive attitude because you guys kept sabotaging the team. Right. We believe with a formidable defense, uh, with a commitment to the defense, with the investment that you've made in the defense, that our guy's going to be one of the, say, uh, top 20. I can't say, say top 10%, top 64. Say our guy will be a top 15 corner. Okay. Say 15. Say second 15. Okay, that's two, 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 two. That's seven, seven, seven and a half teams that we think our guy can be a top 15 corner. And with being the top 15 corner, we believe he deserves $15 million a year. Okay. That's an argument I could make as his agent. As his agent. If I was his agent, that's the argument I'm making. If you're the GM, what do you say? Uh, if I'm the GM, well, if I'm the GM, uh, you know, sometimes you got to not recognize what the truth is and say, listen, <laughs> the expectations are when a young man goes out there, he's got to perform no matter what the conditions are. Right. I go, and if the conditions and the facts are that uh, we're not a very good football team, he still has to go out there and perform. And we haven't seen the performance that you guys are talking about, the level of performance. Yeah. And then they'll bring out the, sh the sheets. The pass breakup. They'll, bring, they'll, be, that, they'll yeah. be bringing out the sheets <laughs> and the statistics, and they're going to say this and that. And then as the agent, I'd say, well, simply, you blew up your defensive line. You've got 20 sacks. Then he comes back with his own numbers. When this team averaged 41 sacks, my player was a more productive player, okay, than when you only had 20 sacks and there's no pressure on the quarterback. Right. When my guy's got to cover for four-plus seconds, that's when things have a tendency to break down. And then I'd bring out the Philadelphia corners, and I'd say, look at what they have here. They get to play in a condition where they only have to cover for two seconds, where their quarterback is under duress, that they get to play an aggressive style defense that we don't get to play here in Chicago. Right. You know, they're not put under the duress my guy is because the only pressure we can get is the pressure that uh, you, when you blitz, right? And when we blitz, we're sending six. Yeah. We've got five back there. My guy's under the gun. My guy doesn't play in the lap of luxury of playing with a great front seven. Now they've made investments into the front seven. So we'll see if that ends up uh, getting Jalen Johnson in this situation. Let me tell you, too. If I'm Jalen Johnson, I believe in myself. I'd love to hit free agency. I'd love to hit free agency. Yeah. Don't extend me. Don't give me a contract. Don't give me anything. Don't franchise me. And let me hit the free agent market and see what I can get. Now, I'll predict it now on this show. If he hits free agency, I think he gets $17 million a year. Hmm. Big money for Jalen Johnson. Still not top guy, though. No, not top guy, but I, I think... I mean, you're, you're still 30... You're still 30, 35% short of what the top guy is getting. But I but I think that is a I guess my question would be, right, what is the what are you valuing on the DB position? I asked J Mac this, right? I love Jalen Johnson's pass breakup numbers. Yeah. When you bring that out, yes, he's an excellent guy. He gets in there, gets a hand in there, knocks the ball away. That is absolutely a job of my DB. But when I think of the best DBs in the NFL, I think of guys that take the ball away. I right. think of guys that, yes, they break the ball, they do great job in pass breakup. They do great job taking a receiver away. But when the ball's thrown their way, we talk about Revis Island. We talk about, you know, Deion Sanders prime time. We talk yeah, about guys that well, took you, the you, football away. You're really only talking about Deion Sanders. Revis Island was a very short-lived island that went back under the water. Became <laughs> a little bit of an island, then went back under the water. <laughs> the, the great story I tell uh, about anybody is Namdi. Remember Namdi Asamuga? Yeah. Uh, Played for the Raiders. Nobody throws my way. Nobody throws my way. <laughs> yeah, Nobody yeah. throws my way. He went to Philadelphia, couldn't play. 
They started throwing his way. Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. They didn't believe the hype. Yeah. They went straight at him. He couldn't cover anything. Right. Okay. So all those guys that say, oh, the, 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 the stud corner that was ever out there was Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders. Is, okay. Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders to me is pound for pound, the greatest football player of all time. To a different style of corner, right? And you go to Lester Hayes, you go to Daryl Green, you go to Aeneas Williams, right? Rod Woodson was a better safety than he was a corner. Yes. Okay. So let's just put Rod Woodson because Rod Woodson started as a corner. He was he was he was a he started good as a corner. corner. He, he was started, a great safety. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he was a good corner. He was a great safety. That's why they switched him. Yes. That's why they switched yeah. him. But those are the corners I'm talking about when I'm talking about guys that could do things yes. and could make plays. But Dion is in a class by himself. Yeah. Dion is all alone. It's Dion, and then we start working our it's way. It's Dion. <laughs> and then I think you go old school guys that used to be able to put the tacky on and that could hit you everywhere. Yeah. Then once you get through those guys, then you get to the guys that couldn't touch everybody everywhere. Right. And then you get a group of, of 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 corners there that you could put down there. And and Revis is in that group, but for Revis Island, ooh. But let's let's even Deion Sanders was a stud. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, I don't like what he says nowadays. Sometimes I hear him talk and I just it burns my ears. There's no denying what a player Deion Sanders was. He was unbelievable. Right. Period. But but let's just talk about right, like when you think of a dominant corner, you still think of the takeaways, right? Mm. That's going to be Ryan Pohl's best argument against paying Jalen Johnson a right. 17 million again, or whoever it is. Again, whoever it is. You're not paying Jalen Johnson $24 million because he's not getting the takeaways. Right. See, again, I'm talking about the range. Right. There's range. That's that, top range five. that range is moving forward. Right. You know what I'm saying? That range isn't staying at 17 for uh, uh, you know a, a guy that's there. That seventeen million for your corner is going to be the bottom of the range, okay? Then it's going to fall out of the range by the time Jalen Johnson's done playing football, right? You know, so you can't get fixated on the number currently. You've got to be able to project where that number is going to be. Also, that's what I'm saying. If he hits free agency, he'll be able. To that's get what more. it'll be. But if I'm the Bears, I offer him fourteen and a half, fifteen, fourteen and a half, fifteen and a half, right there in that range. And if he accepts it, then I still think you got a pretty darn good corner. Um, that you've trained, yeah. that you've brought up in your system, that you drafted, and he's become one of your players. When you look back after 10 years, you're going to say, we had a pretty darn good cornerback here, like Danell Wolford. Yeah. Danell Wolford played here for a long time. Danell Wolford's a pretty good cornerback. Good, yes, 100%. Yeah. And and I, but I he played, and he's like uh, uh, wins above replacement. I think unless you truly got a stud, for what you ended up paying him, I think Danell Wolford was a productive player per dollar spent. Right. So that's what I think. and and that's what I look at with Jalen Johnson. I feel like there's a lot of people out here who are trying to put him into he's a shutdown corner. He's a great no, and he's he's a no, good no. cornerback. I keep saying he's yeah. a good cornerback. He's, he's going to get paid. Yes, and I'm all for players getting paid. But you're asking me to put a value on him, right? And I tell you, the value I think for the Bears is fourteen and a half, fifteen and a half. I think if he hits free agency, he gets paid three million more. It's not bad, right? Because you because you usually overpay in free agency. And he'd be anyway. young; he'd be twenty six, probably twenty five, I believe. For Jaylen. well, when he hits free agency, when he hits free agency, he would be twenty six, right? When he hits so free agency, he'd be twenty six. So you know, all the young guys are the are, are the premier guys when you come out in free agency. If you get somebody coming out in free agency at twenty six, then you're like, oh, okay, I'll take him. Four corners. 
Let's finish it out with this year. Right. I love I love what we're hearing here. We got some football talk. Let's here, finish though. it off. Let's finish it out with here. Fourth quarter is in the building. I need to understand the mentality of an athlete, Yerk, because we've heard about Chase Claypool a lot. We've heard yeah. about how he went from last season, right, came to the Bears. There was a lot of expectation on him, struggled, got hurt, couldn't get him work his way back in. But it seems like the attitude has changed. He's he's focused on being better this season. When you go through those struggles as an athlete, how do you keep yourself focused, not on the struggles, but on the goal that well, you're trying to get to? What's not easy is being with one team, being traded, and then having to all of a sudden get to another team and try to put yourself in the position where you could be successful with the other team. Right. All the while, you hear all the chirping about what kind of player you were in Pittsburgh. And then how much was given up for you? They gave up way too much. Pittsburgh stole you. On the, you know, Pittsburgh got the better end of the deal. They got a steal, far. basically. Then yeah. you come here with a quarterback that's figuring out who he is. Yeah. And a grotesque inability to have the ball come your direction and or catch the ball or become an effective receiver once you're here. And Justin trusted in, no one in, in, who wasn't with in, him in training camp. In six camp. days. Yeah. <laughs> in six days, And then yes. you got to move. Nobody realized <laughs> yeah. the pressure. You got to move. Yeah. You got to either get a hotel you know, like one of those embassy suites where you get to stay for the month to right. figure out exactly where you're going to live if you want to get a place. So there's a lot of challenges that end up happening when you end up moving. Um, the fact that he struggled probably wasn't surprising. Um, I don't know how new the system was or whether he had to learn a brand new system or, you know, uh, was language similar? Wasn't it similar? Were the concepts more difficult? Were they less difficult? I, I, I don't have those exact answers, but it wasn't easy. That's why... It, it wasn't a short-term play to make the Bears better last year. It was a longer-term play to try to make the Bears better over a course of time. Right. And if he shows anything, his contract extension is coming. Absolutely. And he's do something. Absolutely. So if he shows anything, any sign of life. But I believe the deal to get out of one and get for DJ Moore was a little bit of a, okay, cautious. Chase didn't come over and wow us. Right. We think he's still got it, but. We're not there at the wide receiver position anyway, so let's make a move. Well, I thought that move to me was your your guaranteeing at a minimum right during the season. Of course, you wanted Chase to do more, but I thought that move was Chase. Listen, if you can show us anything close and or similar to what Darnell Mooney is going to put up this season, we traded for you. You're going to be here. You're going to get the deal. Unfortunately, Mooney might end up right. getting the short end of the stick with that. But that's how GMs work. That's He's my guy. He's the guy that I brought well, in. Well, yeah, I traded for him. Yeah. yeah. And that happens all the time. When Ron Wolf came in, the first thing he did was get rid of all Tom Bratz's guys. And uh, that was include the draft class that came in, Ezra Tuolo, Vinnie Clark. Everybody was gone. He couldn't wait to purge the system out of anybody that was tra drafted by uh, – was drafted by Tom Bratz, who was the general manager at the time in 1991. That's the way GMs work. Yeah. Yeah, you're not my guys. I, I I didn't bring you in here. I don't necessarily believe in you. I don't care to believe in you. Just thank you for your effort and uh, good luck elsewhere. What was the situation that you struggled with when in your playing days that you had to have that moment of like, yo, I got to focus in or this is going to get tough? Well, it wasn't really anything. Greg Blash always kind of kept me up to date. Wolf Ron was not definitely a fan of me. Blash was a fan of me. Ray Rhodes, them guys liked me. Holmgren liked me. Um, 
Wolf didn't necessarily like me. He brought, he kept bringing nose tackles in left and right. He brought David Grant in. He brought Billy Moss in. He brought in some big behemoth from somewhere. <laughs> and I'm, I looked at the size of the guy. I'm like, geez. Andrew like, Billing I mean, size I guy? I never knew asses came that big. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm looking at the guy. I go, how the hell does he wipe his ass? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, 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 how the fuck you get around? You know, I mean that's a long way to fucking travel. You're going around the equator there to get to the fucking, you know. So he did it. He didn't not like me. He just thought I had a ceiling. Yeah, and I played at my ceiling all the time, which God forbid. Right. How but dare you play the he, best you can? But he thought my floor and my ceiling were. Oh, okay. You know, real close. Yeah. You, Studio you, apartment. Yeah, for cockroaches. <laughs> you know? Studio apartment for cockroaches. They're that far apart. So I knew that. So I had to fight my ass off all the time to stick around up there. And ultimately, I knew when my. So I proved it in 93. Right. And so they gave me a contract. And then uh, my contract was 94 and 95. It was a two year deal. Um, Gilbert had developed uh, into a, a pretty good interior player because uh, they brought Gilbert in, too. He was drafted by Minnesota, I think. Then we brought him in there, and it took Gilbert a couple years to fire. Turn it you to know, fire. He's shy. Believe it or not, Gilbert was shy. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm telling you. Dude, really? Didn't say a word like a church mouse. If you ask Gilbert, Gilbert would tell you he didn't say a word. He broke out in 95, and that's when he gained his confidence. That's when he gained his confidence as a player. Yeah. And um, – Neither he or I, from the three technique, could get to the quarterback. And Gilbert was a, twice as good as I was at the nose tackle position. He was. It's just truth. Gilbert took up bodies. He didn't get moved. Gilbert was tough for the nails on the inside. So you put two and six together, and I got 26. And I figured I was on the way out. Yeah. And they brought Santana Dotson in, which was a great move. Santana was a fantastic player. And Santana never got the credit of the way he played the run. Santana could play the run as good as anybody. So the combination of Santana, Gilbert, with Reggie White, and Sean Jones. I mean, you had a formidable defensive line that could make things happen. That's a solid, that's yeah. a solid line. And that's it didn't matter. Line. Kaberski was a backup. Uh, Darius Holland was a backup. If those guys got 10 plays a game, that just to give those guys a little bit of a break, then that's what they ended up doing. Right. Right, and they're not going to pay me to be a backup to play 10 to 15. So I knew I had to go and I had to leave. So I ended up going down to Jacksonville. But that's what happens. But I knew in 93 that I needed to come in and play my ass off. So that was my year that I kind of – but once I lost Blosh in the room and Blosh couldn't stand Ron Wolf. Yeah. Couldn't stand him. <laughs> that's, that's, that's when it got – Because you get into the meetings and it's like, I don't want to hear about this and I don't want to hear about that. Well, because you know that's the primary reason why we lost the game. You don't want to hear about. Tell me about something else, right? You know, so Greg ended up getting an opportunity in Indianapolis, and he went down to Indianapolis and he coached those guys over there. Did you try to get down? You there? know who I got? Larry Brooks. You know who Larry Brooks was? <laughs> who was Larry Brooks? Larry Brooks was a defensive lineman for the L.A. Rams in the eighties. Right. Yeah. Good player. Good player. Terrible coach. <laughs> Terrible. I went from having the best coach in the league at my position. Yeah. To possibly the worst coach in the league at my position. Right. Not knowing every defensive line coach in the NFL would preclude me from saying he was the worst. Okay? But he wasn't good. Right. Okay? So when you go from the best to not being good, then you're trying to maintain that uh, collective uh, energy in the room and the accountability that you could re rely upon in each other, that started to get lost a little bit.
which is unfortunate, but yeah. How does that? That's why he was only a, a D line coach for, I think he was there for eight years. He went to Seattle with Mike, you know, but Mike brought him in because Mike wanted him to coach. And oh boy. How, how does that affect you as a, I'm trying to just keep going with well, what I had over here I'm trying to communicate. as a player? My problem is I'm trying to communicate with the coach. Right. Coach comes to me and he goes, hey, the guys upstairs said the ball broke between you and Gilbert. And I said, all right. I said, uh, do we have the pictures? He goes, no. I said, the ball broke backside B. He goes, that's not what they're saying upstairs. I said, I threw my guy, came to my right, and me and Gilbert smashed into each other. There is no fucking way the ball came between Gilbert and I. It went backside B gap is where that fucker broke. And so we get the films, and I looked at the, the, the snapshots came down. You know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, no and iPads I, back and, then. Right, and there's the running back, backside B. And I go up to Larry. I go, Larry, listen, you asked me a question. I'm telling you what happened. You're telling me I'm full of shit. Here's the picture. I go, if you're going to ask me a question on the fucking sidelines during the game, and I give you the answer, it's the fucking truth, right? And that's it. And then at that point, you know you can't fucking trust the guy, and then it doesn't make a difference anyway. Yeah. And I don't want to, I'm not an arrogant ass, but I knew a hundred times more than he did. And that was part of the problem too. Right. So. That's, I mean, that's the smartest thing Larry ever did was he sent me, Sean Jones and uh, Reggie out of the room when they were trying to implement, they're putting the offense in with a bunch of the young guys. Yeah. And these guys were making mistakes during practice. He told us three to get the hell out. Because he had, because he knew you'd call him out. No, not because we call him out because this was going to be repetitive. Yeah. Sean Jones was going to fall asleep or he's going to roll his eyes. Reggie was going to be doing something else, <laughs> you know, and I know it. So I'm just going over it over and over again. You know, it gets repetitive. He sent us out of room because he knew what he was doing was so elementary and so rudimentary. And he wanted to fucking scream at the guys that he just sent the three old guys out and said, just get the hell out of here. and Let me talk to these guys. So you might have embarrassed them a little bit, which yeah. is a good thing. Maybe it's a good coaching technique. At that sometimes point. sometimes you need that a little bit. Hey, yeah. now I had Clarence Brooks in Cleveland. Clarence was good. He coached here in Chicago. I like Clarence Brooks. Uh, I had John Peace in Jacksonville. John Peace was a veteran guy. He's been around the league a long time. Um, and he was he was a decent coach. I, I enjoyed working with John Peace. So, I mean, those were my in Sikonovich in Miami. Old school guy was with uh, John Sandusky. Not the one from whatchamacallit, yeah, the yeah, original yeah, 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 the yeah. original Sandusky. <laughs> Not that, that Sandusky. Coached with uh we coached with Don Shula for a long time. Yes. Him yeah, and Carl yeah. Tassliff and those guys. He was part of that group of guys from the old AFL days that came over. And uh, he was a pretty good guy, decent kid. But we played a two gap system then. And I wasn't a two gap player. I never played two gap. You were penetrating. Read and man. react. I was a penetrating tackle. Yeah. Come off the ball and react after that. Not sit, squat, and absorb. I wasn't a sitting, squatting, absorbing type of guy. I was on the attack, make a move. Uh, the closest distance between two points is an unencumbered straight line. So I used to find ways to become unencumbered. <laughs> and usually the offensive lineman wanted to encumber me. So He wanted to do what but, to you? <laughs> uh, encumber. Oh, He wow. wanted to you know take, take me on. I wanted to get the hell away from him. If you ain't got to fight a guy during a play, it's that much better. Hey, I, I, 
There was a joke I was going to drop, but we're going to move on from that. Hey, that's another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Appreciate you guys for showing love. As always, hit that like button, subscribe to the page. Drop a bird down if you made it all the way to the end. Appreciate the love and support. As always, man, for your go, it's your boy, Pat the Designer. Back at it again. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bird on. Peace.